are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a Monday edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Patricia Trena, your host, and I cover your New York Giants for a variety of outlets. Be sure you're following me on Twitter at Patricia underscore Trena to learn more about the articles and new content that I place amongst my many outlets, such as The Athletic, Inside Football, The Maven, Forbes, Journal Inquirer, and others. And happy game day. Tonight, the Giants are scheduled to face the San Francisco 49ers. And I say schedule because, as you know, there have been some horrific wildfires out in the state of California. And before we go any further and start talking football, I want to send my best wishes to the people who have been affected by those fires and to the first responders, the police, the firefighters, the EMS, all those folks who have been working around the clock to preserve the beauty and wildlife and who have been rescuing and evacuating people and trying to keep them safe during these tough times. Regardless of when the Giants and the 49ers game is played or where it's played, it's all about the people first. And let's just pray that the first responders and all those people who are working tirelessly to keep people safe, to keep the wildlife safe, the uh, the, the fauna safe and whatnot, let's just hope that they can get this under control and be safe themselves. So our prayers are out to you. Coming up on the program today... We're going to touch a little bit on the Patrick Omame news and what it means moving forward. And we're also going to look at a couple of keys to tonight's game. Then in segments two and three, Dane Brugler, a well-known NFL draft analyst who is now with The Athletic, will join the program. And he provides an early look at the 2019 draft class and how that's shaping up. Before I get into segment one of this program, I do want to give you a quick rundown of what's coming up on the Locked on Giants podcast. On Tuesday, old friend Ed Valentine is scheduled to join me, and we're going to break down the Giants 49ers game, assuming that it is played Monday night, and just, you know, catch up for old time's sake. On Wednesday, it is the crossover show with the Locked On Bucks host James Yarko. So he's going to preview for us the Bucks, who is the next opponent on the Giants schedule. And I will return the favor by previewing the Giants for him on his program. Thursday, we're going to have a very special Twitter Thursday. Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan is going to come on the program to answer your draft-related questions. So make sure you get those in to me. That you can send them to either LockedOnGiantsPodcast at gmail.com or you can tweet them to me at Patricia underscore Trina. Make sure you use the hashtag AskPTrain, P-T-R-A-I-N. This way I'll be able to find them and I'll make sure that they get in the queue for Emory. Then on Friday, scheduled to join the program is none other than former Giants defensive end Justin Tuck who is going to spend a little time talking some football with me. And he's also going to share some uh, some news about uh, his work on the NFL's Crucial Catch campaign. 
a cause that's near and dear to my heart since I am a cancer survivor myself. So there's a lot coming up this week on the Locked on Giants podcast. And here's hoping that you will want to be a part of it. So without any further delay, let's get into the seg- the first segment of our show for today. And uh, we'll start with the release of Giants offensive lineman Patrick Omame. That was announced on Saturday. Now, Omame, as you guys probably are aware, lost his job two games ago to John Greco right at right guard. Um, and before I give you the cap ramifications, I'll just say this much. Omame was initially signed to play left guard, but that plan changed when the team drafted Will Hernandez in the second round of this year's draft. And uh, basically what happened is Amami never adjusted to the switch to the other side. You know, there are some guys that do it and some guys that, that just can't. And unfortunately, he was one that wasn't able to make that switch. And um, the Giants have sent him on his way. So uh, with the Giants having released him right now, uh, before uh, Week 10 goes into the books, they have now put themselves in a good position to get a comp pick in the fourth round of the 2019 draft. This according to Nick Corte of Over the Cap, who does a really good job figuring out uh, the NFL comp, comp pick formula. So uh looks like the Giants will get a fourth round pick in addition to the picks they are accumulating through their drafts. So... All right, now, what about the cap implications? The move saves the Giants $3.15 million in 2019. However, they're also going to take a dead money hit of $3.1 million, an amount that includes Amame's remaining prorated signing bonus and any remaining guaranteed money in his base salary. In 2019, I believe Amame had $100,000 guaranteed in his base salary. That will have to be accounted for in the dead money hit. So with the dead money uh, from the Omami transaction, the Giants are now estimated to have about nine point three nine one million on I'm sorry in dead money uh, as they continue to clear out cap space. Now that might seem like a lot, that might sound like a lot, but remember the cap is going to go up. Um, I think it was projected to go up about to I want to say 190 million by over the cap so the further the higher that cap number goes uh, the more the Giants are going to be able to absorb what they have accumulated so far in dead money okay now let's uh, turn our attention to the game assuming that the game is played tonight Uh, the Giants entered this week with no one on their injury report and I really can't remember the last time that happened, but, you know, that's good news, certainly, in, in a season that's been devoid of a lot of good news. So just to run down the guys who were listed initially uh, as having injuries, Jawill Davis, returner and, and uh, receiver, has been cleared from the concussion protocol. Inside linebacker Alec Ogletree, uh, who was dealing with a hamstring injury, he should be good to go. And right tackle Chad Wheeler, who just last week uh, during the bye week was in a boot because of an ankle sprain, has been able to practice. So he should be ready to go as well. All three of those guys should be ready to go, barring any unforeseen circumstances. And another guy who should be ready to go 
is new offensive lineman Jamon Brown, who will probably start at right guard. Now, earlier this week, head coach Pat Shermer confirmed that if if a change is made on the offensive line, um, it, it would probably be uh, at the expense of John Greco. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because when Shermer was asked about would Greco move back to center, he basically said that they've been very happy with with Spencer with what Spencer Pulley has been doing so far at center. So uh, if you make the assumption and connect the dots that uh, that Jamon Brown will get the start at right guard, that means John Greco will go to the bench. But we will, of course, see if that's indeed what the Giants have planned for tonight. All right, so now let's turn and, and look at a couple keys to the game. Uh, first and foremost, and I've been pleading with the Giants for this every week now, stay with the running game. Good things happen when a team runs a balanced offense between the run and the pass. And if you want proof of that, look no further than the Giants win in week three over the, over the Texans. They ran the ball a season high 27 times in that game. Otherwise, you know, since then, the coaching staff has, for whatever reason, given up on the run prematurely, despite the fact they've been in, the, in, in most of the games they've lost. I think, you know, other than the Saints game and the Eagle game, the Giants have basically kept it close and been in every game that they have lost. But yet, for whatever reason, they've just become a pass-happy team. And I just, you know, don't understand it. I mean, the run blocking has been, you know, inconsistent, but so has the pass blocking. So... You know, why not try and balance it out? And there's another reason why, you know, hopefully the Giants stay with the run. Uh, San Francisco linebackers Ruben Foster and Fred Warner have both had some injury issues. And it's kind of been a feast or famine with their run defense. So if you're the Giants, get Saquon Barkley out there. Take your shots. I mean, what do you have to lose at this point? And my second key for the game, start fast, you know, and by that I mean get on the, get, get on the scoreboard, don't wait. You know, I mean, I, I, when I was breaking down the numbers here, what I found was the Giants have been outscored in the first half of their games this year, 102 to 58, whereas in the second half they've only been outscored 103 to 92. Now if we break down the first half by quarter, that comes uh, uh, and the second half by quarter, uh, looking at the third quarter of their games, they've only been outscored 23 to 22 and just 80 to 70 in the fourth quarter, which means they've been in the games. There's been opportunities. So please, Giants, if you're here, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, while you're waiting for Monday night football to, to come around, make this game interesting early and score early and often. All right, Giant fans, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and hear from NFL Draft Analyst Dane Brugler of The Athletic, who will give us an overview on how the draft class is shaping up. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey, Giant fans. Is your company looking for a new way to reach customers? Well, your company could be mentioned right now, right here on the Locked On Giants podcast. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors they hear on their favorite podcasts. Our demographics is 98% male with more education and earning than traditional media audiences. Have your company sponsor this podcast. For more information on our very affordable advertising rates, email LockedOnGiantsPodcast at gmail.com. Ever since I started this podcast, 
People have been asking me for gambling advice. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win every week, but if you think you know, you've got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is very easy to use. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and for you fantasy enthusiasts out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000 when you use the promo code LOCKEDON to activate the special offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when entering your account to claim your special bonus. MyBookie. You play, you win, you get paid. I'm joined now by Dane Brugler. He is one of the NFL draft experts for The Athletic. Dane, thanks so much for coming on the program with me. Anytime. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So, Dane, as you know, New York Giant fans don't have really a lot to look forward to the rest of the year with the team currently at a 1-7 record about to face the 49ers on Monday night. Um, so a lot of people have started talking about the draft. And, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, the Giants, you know, covering the Giants just takes up so much time. I haven't had an opportunity to really look at the draft. And that's why I reach out to experts such as yourself to kind of give the listeners what they want, give them an overview of the draft, what to, what to how it's shaping up and whatnot. So um, with that said, if we could just start off, I know a big question on everybody's mind is the quarterback class coming out of this draft. Now, I know, you know, Justin Herbert hasn't decided if he's going to declare or not, but what are you hearing to that? Uh, and, and if he doesn't declare, how is the quarterback class looking? Yeah, and this quarterback group, uh, it's going to need some help from the underclassmen. Uh, we look at the senior class, and there are some players to like Drew Locke from Missouri. I think he's probably the favorite. Uh, to be the first quarterback off the board, uh, first senior quarterback off the board. And then behind him, Will Greer from West Virginia and Ryan Finley from NC State. Uh, both of them are viewed as more day two players trying to get into that first round. Um, so there's some talent in the senior class, but it's going to need some help from the underclassmen if we're going to have a legitimate uh, you know, top five, top ten quarterback, a, a guy that a team with a top two, top three pick would consider that high. Justin Herbert, uh, he is that type of prospect. Uh, you know, 6'5", 240 pounds, a 4'6 athlete, great arm, great kid, uh, you know, high IQ that translates from off the field, on the field. Uh, there's so much about him you like. Uh, he's still young in his development, still coming along. Uh, reminds me a lot of Sam Darnold in that respect, just in terms of his growth from high school to where he is now at Oregon. Um, but, you know, with his younger brother being a four-star wide receiver tight end coming in as a true freshman starting in the fall, with the fact that he's a Eugene kid, uh, grew up an Oregon fan, uh, probably there's some things, you know, tugging at his heartstrings to go back to Oregon for a senior year, get better, help lead them to a Pac-12 title. I think, you know, talking to scouts, I would estimate it's probably 60-40 he goes back to school. But, you know, he still has two months to make a decision. Anything can happen in those two months. Uh, that could possibly sway Justin Herbert to the NFL. So much too early to say 
with any uh, any, any definite uh, feeling about what he's going to do. Uh, Daniel Jones from Duke is a quarterback that a lot of uh, a lot of scouts like with uh, what he offers from with his skill set because he's a big athletic kid. He's accurate. He's smart. Uh, very cerebral with the way he sees the whole field. Uh, you know, Coach Cutcliffe uh, has done a great job mentoring him at Duke, and of course, Coach Cutcliffe. Uh, you know, Eli Manning, Peyton Manning. Uh, you know, his track record with quarterbacks is very high. So, you know, in my Monday column with the Athletic, I, I reached out to four scouts and I I asked them, okay, who's going to be the first quarterback drafted if Justin Herbert goes back to school? And I got back three names: two votes for Drew Locke from Missouri. One uh, vote for Daniel Jones and one vote uh, for Will Greer. So uh, there's going to be no consensus if Justin Herbert goes back to school who the top quarterback is. And it really might come down to the pre-draft process, uh, the senior bowl, the combine, to see which quarterback can kind of rise above the rest. Is it too early to assess and compare this coming quarterback class with last year's class? I mean, uh, uh, Herbert notwithstanding? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think just on the surface, it looks like a weaker group. Um, you know, last year we thought Sam Darnold was going to be. I thought he was the favorite to go number one uh, throughout most of the process, really until uh, you know the final days. Uh, you know, Baker Mayfield, a lot. Of, you know, Josh Rosen, uh, even Josh Allen. Uh, he he continued to pick up steam throughout the process, and I, I think the Drew Locke, Josh Allen narratives are going to be similar because you look at Drew Locke. No, I mean the. You know, the resume is a little different. He's doing what he's doing in the SEC, where Josh Allen was in the Mountain West facing inferior competition. Uh, Drew Locke has struggled against SEC competition over his career. 0-9, his first nine starts against ranked opponents. Got that monkey off his back the last weekend uh, with a win over Florida in Gainesville, uh, which is a a great win for him. And if he can sustain some of that momentum, uh, finish strong. And then, just like Josh Allen, go to the Senior Bowl and where Josh Allen was arguably the best quarterback there with the way he performed, go to the combine where he uh, you know, really impressed during drills. So if he's able to do that, Drew Locke is able to do that. You know, we could see a similar narrative where Drew Locke gets pushed up, pushed up, and a quarterback needy team really looks at him as a top-ten pick. What about offensive line? Because that's probably right up there with the Giants – the Giants needs at this uh, as of this right. And they're going to probably need um, a right tackle. You know, especially if um, Jamon Brown works out at right guard, he should be. Uh, I would guess he's going to be in the starting lineup probably as soon as Monday night against the 49ers. But what do you see in terms of the the, the tackle class and how that's shaping up? Uh, again, another class where uh, you know the seniors they have some talent, but it's going to need some help from the underclassmen. Uh, two SEC guys. Greg Little from Ole Miss, Jonah Williams from Alabama, two juniors who are expected to come out. Uh, and if they do, they'll be the first two tackles off the board. Uh, Jonah Williams from Alabama, not that elite athlete with uh, you know the freakishly long arms. Just That's not his game, but he's technically sound. He's very smart. He's very cerebral. Uh, you watch how he operates, and it's almost kind of boring because he's so good. He, he understands what he's doing. It's stalemate after stalemate after stalemate. And from an offensive tackle, that's exactly what you want. So Jonah Williams, I think, will be somewhere in the top half of round one. Greg Little, he reminds me a lot of Ronnie Stanley when he's coming out of Notre Dame, top ten pick of the Ravens a couple years ago. Uh, he has a little more of what you look for from uh, you know, the length and athleticism, athleticism standpoint. Uh, he's a little passive, not quite as aggressive as a Jonah Williams, 
but you like the tools. And so Greg Little is also in that conversation. In the senior class, I like some of these players. Um, I'm not sure any of them are going to get into that first round, but I do think they provide depth on day two. Guys you can consider bringing in, pushing for a starting job. Uh, Andre Dillard from Washington State, uh, I think he might get pushed inside the guard or center, but he's a terrific guy. Washington State's left tackle. Max Sharping from Northern Illinois, um, one of the better Mac prospects we have this year. Uh, he's uh, extremely smart, uh, a 3'9 student, and that translates to the field with what he's able to do. Uh, Yadni Kajus from West Virginia, uh, Mountaineers left tackle, really athletic, inconsistent, very up and down. But those three senior tackles uh, are guys that will be considered on day two and have a chance to come into training camp and push for a starting job. You know, the thing about offensive linemen is, you know, you look at these college kids and they play tackle, but a lot of times they project inside to guard. I mean, again, I know it's early, the class isn't complete yet because the juniors haven't haven't declared, but do you see a lot of, of that potentially shaping up where, you know, some of these these prospects that are, you know, playing at tackle might actually be better off inside? Yeah, we have it every year. Um, you know, Andre Dillard, who I mentioned, um, yeah, he's about 6'5", 290 pounds. Uh, doesn't have that length that you look for. There will be times where he gets tied up in the run game, and he just doesn't have that length to keep defenders off of him, where the defender, if he has those long arms, he's able to detach from the block and make something happen. Uh, but he's got foot quickness. He mirrors really well. He has core power with his compact build. Um, and so I, I would like to see him work out at center or guard at the senior bowl to see how he does. Uh, same thing with Mitch Hyatt from Clemson, uh, a four-year starter at Clemson. Uh, you know, Coach Sweeney calls him Mr. De- Dependable because uh, that's what he's been for the Tigers the last four years. Uh, just you kind of at left tackle, you plug him in, and he's been a mainstay for them. But another guy who doesn't have the great length, uh, has some technique issues, I think he could, you know, both him and Dillard could probably play tackle in the NFL but their best position might be inside with what their skill set shows and what they do best. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I know another position the Giants probably will be in the market for is cornerback, given that I I would be shocked if Janoris Jenkins is back next year on a $13 million cap hit. Um, They drafted Sam Beal this year in the supplemental draft. Um, They had this young kid, um, Grant Haley, who they signed as an un- undrafted uh, free agent, but they're going to probably need, I would think, more cornerback help. I mean, what are you seeing in that class so far? Uh, yeah, and you know, the, the trend continues. Uh, you know, the, the class will need a little bit of help from the underclassmen because I think the the juniors, and I, I think that's really the case with a lot of these positions, um, the junior cornerback group is, is really talented. Uh, Greedy Williams from LSU, uh, 6'1", 190 pounds, 4'4", athlete, great length. Uh, he has uh, the play personality that you want for the position. Uh, he's a top 10 player. Byron Murphy from Washington doesn't have the size that you want, but he, he's much tougher than he looks. Uh, very instinctive player, love the ball skills. So Byron Murphy from Washington, I think, is also in the top half of round one. And then DeAndre Baker from Georgia, uh, the top senior this year, 5'11", about 190 pounds. Uh, does, does really well in zone, uh, has a really good feel for timing. Uh, so he gets his hand on a lot of balls, leaves the SEC and passes defended. Uh, I think those three corners are, are probably the top three guys this year, and I think all will be considered in top 15 picks. Uh, but with a lot of juniors expected to come out in position, I think this could be uh, a pretty decent group uh, into the second day and into the third day, uh, finding players that could uh, 
potentially help you down the line. You're listening to Locked On Giants with Patricia Trena and special guest Dane Brugler of The Athletic. He's one of their draft experts. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back and talk more draft with Dane. Stay with us. The Locked On Podcast Network is doing unprecedented things on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, follow Locked On NFL Net to get all the latest breaking news and game highlights from the Locked On Podcast Network NFL hosts, all on one convenient feed. On Instagram, Locked On NFL Net gives you the biggest stories, including audio cuts as provided by the various Locked On NFL team hosts. Make sure you follow Locked On NFL Net on both Twitter and Instagram to get your daily fill of the NFL. Welcome back, New York Giant fans. Patricia Trena on Locked On Giants, and I'm joined by Dane Brugler of The Athletic. He is one of the NFL draft experts, does a great job, puts together a guide, I believe, every year. Dane, are you going to be putting together that guide again this year? Uh, good question. Uh, you know, I'm doing all the work uh, in terms of reports and all that, but uh, you know, my new position with The Athletic, we'll see how, uh, how that works out, if it's something that we end up doing or not, but uh, regardless, I'll be doing all the work and all those reports will be somewhere, somehow, whether it's on the athletic or we do the guide. So uh, fans will definitely have some look forward to with that. Oh, absolutely. And that's a must read every year for, for, for NFL draft next who, who really want to get inside what these guys bring to the table. Dane, let's continue our discussion on, on the draft and how it might apply to the Giants. And, you know, with the understanding that it is early, because as you as you said in the last segment, you know, you need the juniors to come out and before we can really gauge the strength and whatnot of the draft. But just from, you know, backing up a little bit and from a big picture standpoint, fans, I, I get, and media to an extent, I get the impression that they don't really understand how hard it is to, to evaluate and grade players. I mean, when you look at the draft positions, what do you think is the biggest gamble at, at what position, you know, as far as if you miss, you're, you're, you're basically setting yourself back for years. I mean, I would think quarterback. Would that be correct? Well, no question. Uh, and, you know, it's a quarterback league. We all know this. And if you invest in a quarterback early, um, you know, you're, in most cases, your head coach and your GM are tied to that quarterback. And if he doesn't pan out, then you're likely out of a job. And so uh, you better hope that you get it right. And so, you know, and it's not as daunting as as it used to be in the previous uh, CBA with the, you know, the the contracts, the high contracts, those high draft picks received. And, you know, Sam Bradford, his career earning starting with that initial contract. Uh, you know, Matthew Stafford, you know, those quarterbacks, the previous, uh, previous years, uh, going back almost 10 years ago now, the amount of money they earned off that first contract. So it's not as daunting now uh, with those rookie contracts, but they're still a, a big investment. And so, um, you know, we saw last year with – uh, what four quarterbacks going top ten, five in the first round? Um, you know, we see that every year. But it, it's in terms of like the position that's really tough to project. Quarterback is definitely at the top, but behind that, I think wide receiver. Uh, we don't talk enough about how tough it is to project wide receivers to the next level, just because of what they're asked to do at the college level compared to what they're asked to do in the NFL. Uh, talking about the route tree, uh, talking about facing press coverage talking about uh, just the quality of competition. Uh, in college, usually they face, uh, you know, corners that are four or five guys, you know, 5'11". In the NFL, they're bigger, they're faster, and they're just not used to seeing that. Plus, they're up in their face uh, doing a lot of press. And so uh, wide receiver is one of those positions that I think 
has a lower uh, or a higher bust rate in the first round than other positions. We see two years ago, three wide receivers taken in the first round or top ten picks. Uh, all three haven't lived up to it. Uh, from Corey Davis went to the Titans, Mike Williams the Chargers, and then John Ross to the Bengals. So, um, you know, I, I think with uh, Odell Beckham uh, and the Giants, that's one of the few uh, instances where it worked out really well from the start, uh, having that immediate success and clicking right away. Usually we don't see that for the wide receiver position. The draft order won't be set, obviously, for, for several weeks just yet, but based on the, the current order, the anticipated order of the top 10 teams, their anticipated needs, I mean, where do you see the biggest run being made in the top 10, given that it looks like, you know, again, based on where it stands today, most of those teams that are projected to draft in the top 10 have quarterbacks, so what position do you think is going to really have the biggest run made on it? It's going to be a defensive line heavy draft. Uh, in my midseason top 32 draft board, uh, literally half, 16 of the 32, were defensive linemen, either interior defensive linemen or uh, edge guys, pass rushers. Uh, so it's going. we're going to see a lot of those guys come off the board. And early, uh, you, you look at some of these uh, defensive tackles that are coming uh, from the junior class, Quinn and Williams from Alabama is just outstanding. He's having uh, one of the best years in college football this year as a redshirt sophomore, so we'll see if he declares. I expect him to because he's going to be a top-ten pick uh, whenever he declares. Ed Oliver from Houston, he's next on that list. Uh, you know, that undersized, penetrating three technique. Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi State, uh, he's a big, grown man, uh, plays like it with his strength, has a little bit of pass rush value. Uh, Clemson has a pair of guys on the interior with Dexter Lawrence. Uh, big nose tackle, then Christian Wilkins, more of that three technique, uphill penetrator. Uh, so the defensive linemen, we're going to see I think, come off the board pretty quickly. Uh, the defensive ends, Montez Sweat from Mississippi State uh, is the top senior on my board right now. Uh, big and long, 6'5", 245 pounds, uh, really good athlete. We'll have a chance to see him this weekend going up against Jonah Williams when Mississippi State and Alabama face off. That should be fun. And then Josh Allen from Kentucky. Uh, a guy that can stand up, drop his face, get after the quarterback, play the run, do a little bit of everything. Uh, and then, of course, the top prospect overall on my board, Nick Bosa, the, the Ohio State pass rusher, who, of course, has already entered the NFL draft uh, after his injury in September. And a, a guy that he's kind of like Miles Garrett two years ago. I think Nick Bosa will kind of be uh, the top guy from uh, you know the entire uh, the, the full year. Uh, we don't always see that this year, but we did with Miles Garrett. I think with Nick Bosa, I think he was the top guy at the moment the 2018 NFL draft ended, and I think Nick Bosa will still be number one uh, in the days leading up to the 2019 NFL draft. You know, we hear a, a bunch of these names that you, you've been mentioning, but is there a player that, you know, is maybe quietly making a push to be in the conversation for a first-round pick that, you know, just a lot of people aren't e either aware of or just aren't talking about enough of? Yeah, and we have that every year, and it, guys will emerge throughout the process, um, and, you know, each one, each scout, each team will kind of have their favorites in terms of, uh, you know, players that caught their eye, might go higher than people think. Um, you know, at this point, I, I, it's hard to say, you know, what would be a surprise, but I, I think we, you know, we see some guys that are uh, not valued as highly. Uh, Devin Bush from Michigan is one of those guys. He's because he's, he's undersized. He's 5'11", 225 pounds. But he flies all over the field. Uh, you love the aggression that he plays with, the physicality. I think you know, most people know him for his antics before the Michigan State game. But he's just a really, really good player. 
Um, I think he's a first-round pick and a guy that uh, it could go higher than a lot of people think. Um, you know, the wide receiver class is going to be interesting. I don't think we have a top 20 pick in this draft at wide receiver, uh, but I do think between picks 21 and 60 are going to be loaded with wide receivers. There's a lot of value in that area. Uh, but could there be one of those guys that really, uh, you know, makes a name for himself and pushes to be considered in the top 20? Uh, you know, we'll have to see. Um, but I keep going back to quarterback with, uh, you know, I mentioned Drew Locke. If you, you know, the narrative could be similar with Josh Allen last year in terms of moving up and um, proving to be a top 10 pick, even though they didn't really have uh, that type of collegiate career. Uh, but based on the skill set, can make that jump. Daniel Jones from Duke is the interesting one to me uh, because he could be the benefit of Justin Herbert going back. And, you know, Daniel Jones could be the one that's getting pushed up more and more. I don't think fans realize how much a lot of teams are, are really intrigued with Jones and, and just the overall skill set. And you watch him, you, you see a little bit of Kirk Cousins because uh, he doesn't have that huge elite arm, but he's very smart with what he does. You see how the way he can operate the whole field. And then with the Cutcliffe, Coach Cutcliffe influence, you see Peyton Manning mannerisms. Not saying that he is Peyton Manning, but you see the mannerisms with the way he, you know, play action and the way he, uh, you know, holds the ball and uses his feet, different things like that in the pocket. So Daniel Jones could be a, a player that gets pushed up, especially if Justin Herbert goes back. And then finally, Dane, um, I don't know if you necessarily, when, when you make up your, your draft projections, if you how much you study past trends by teams and general managers and whatnot, but in terms of the Giants, what would be something that they would do maybe at the top of the front first round other than, you know, not picking a quarterback that would just totally, you know, blow the lid off of and make everybody go, wow, I can't believe they went there. Well, uh, you know, I think uh, you know, aside from a quarterback, you know, we know we know uh, Dave Gettleman likes big, physical, strong guys. That's that's kind of his mo. And so I think it would be uh, not a surprise if we see him them go Quinn and Williams from Alabama, or uh, you know, one of these big hulking guys. Maybe if they they went with an Ed Oliver, you know, more of the undersized, uh, penetrating defensive tackle, um, that would be maybe a little bit different than kind of what we expect. Uh, but he's a really good player, so I'm not sure it would necessarily be a wild type of pick uh, because you can't go wrong with a player like Ed Oliver. Um, you know, could they go – if, say, the Giants have a top-five pick, is that too early for one of these offensive linemen? We know how important it is for the Giants to rebuild on the offensive line. Would that be too early for a Jonah Williams or a Greg Little or whoever they like as the top offensive tackle in this class? We know uh, Gettleman does not like to trade back and move around in the draft. So if he really wants one of these offensive tackles, is a top-five pick going to be too rich uh, to take one of them? So that, that could be an interesting dynamic that we talk about throughout the process in terms of the Giants. Dane, appreciate your feedback. Um, your work, of course, can be found on The Athletic. Tell the folks where else they can find you. Uh, yeah, The Athletic is the best way. And then also on Twitter, at uh, DP Brugler, you can find all my material there. I'll tweet out all the links and um, you know, hopefully give you all the draft information that you need. Okay, sounds good. That was Dane Brugler of The Athletic. Really good draft analysts. Make sure you uh, grab yourself a subscription to The Athletic. They offer specials all the time. And uh, make sure you check out Dane's work there and on Twitter. Dane, thanks so much for joining us. Anytime. Thank you. Okay. All right, Giant fans, on that note, we will call it a show. Special thanks to Dane Brugler. Be sure to tune in tomorrow when Ed Valentine at Big Blue View, 
my former co-host makes a return appearance to help me break down the Giants and 49ers Monday Night Clash. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Take care.